Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. We have a special guest this week on the whole whale podcast an old friend of mine i know from the days of of do something as a tremendous developer and then went off to work on many a grassroots development project and rob hawkins uh, who is now the founder of rev edit among other things came to me with something that frankly shocked me as somebody that you know i myself am very familiar, I'll say, with social media, with analytics, and the the social behaviors that that result of people at scale playing with social media and conjunction with profit seeking companies like Facebook, manipulating those communities to make money. I thought I'd seen every angle, and then something that Rob, <laughs> Rob built with RevEdit, uh, frankly, just opened my eyes to something just completely massive that I haven't seen talked about elsewhere. I don't want to give away the punchline. Rob, how's it going? Hey, great. Thanks so much for having me, George. I'm really excited to be here and, and to share uh, yeah, what I've built and, and its potential impacts. Maybe you can just start with getting an idea, because I was shocked. How many people a month, roughly, are using RevEdit? I want people to understand like, the beginnings of this before we get into it. Yeah, the, you know, in the beginning, it was zero. And then it's 100, 2,000, 30,000. Now it's over... 500,000 uh, unique users per month, according to uh, Cloudflare's statistics. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And maybe just explain it to me as though I'm a seven-year-old. What does RevEdit, and this took me a few times, it's R-E-V-E-D-D-I-T dot com. What does this thing do that so many people are using each month? So essentially it shows a good portion of what gets removed from Reddit. And the basis for the site is that Reddit and perhaps a lot of social media uh, shows you your removed content as if it's not removed. This is the default behavior for removed comments on Reddit. So uh, if a moderator or admin removes your comments, uh, when you're logged in, it will appear to you as if that comment is not removed. Now, once in a while, moderator may send you a private message or reply to that comment indicating it's been removed, but for the most part, that's not the norm. So with RevEdit, uh, you can punch in your username and look up all of the content that's been removed from your your account. This seemed like such an esoteric, small thing to me until I started pulling the thread of it because I figure that in most Reddit rooms, I guess they're called subreddits, these conversations mm. have moderators, and those moderators are always just trying to keep the peace, right? They're getting rid of hate speech. They're getting rid of, you know, personal identifiable information, things that may be dangerous. And that was my impression of it. Why mm. did you feel compelled to create this? Yeah, that's a great question. I used Reddit for six years, maybe longer, six years I had an account, uh, and couple of years prior to that, just sort of reading it before I noticed this issue. And yeah, I, I was 
sort of casting about for some data project to work on. I have a data science background and I noticed in two different queries to Reddit's API that in one, my, one of my comments that had a lot of upvotes, uh, which is Reddit's way of ranking, uh, content. What, one of my comments was removed in one view and in another view, it was shown to me. So I realized what was going on. I thought, huh, that, that, that seems like, you know, it's unintuitive. And I started looking at where else this, uh, was occurring on Reddit. And at first it appeared to me to be sort of used just by some subreddits more commonly where, you know, I felt manipulated, as you say, uh, egregiously by this tool or this feature that, uh, moderators have access to moderators, by the way, are volunteers. They're not employees of Reddit. So essentially anybody has access to, to sort of pull the wool over the eyes of anyone else. And yeah, I, I just started kind of looking at it more and more and thought, well, I can probably build something that, uh, shows that this is happening because it didn't exist yet. That there were tools that show content that gets removed from Reddit, but there was no tool that shows what gets removed from your specific account. So you could go to precursor sites, which were called see edit or remove edit and see other people's removed content in the context of a particular thread, but you couldn't punch in your username to see what got removed from your account. And turns out that this is a big difference in terms of user awareness of how removed comments are displayed, uh, to you, uh, because once you see your own content getting removed, uh, you are, seems, seems to be far more activated around the topic to say, well, I didn't know that was removed. I wrote that with the best of intentions. And it seems to me it was following some Reddit rules, right? So, you know, I've logged thousands of reactions to, uh, my tool or just to, uh, this behavior on Reddit saying, how can, how can this be going on? And, uh, yeah, so that, that's how it got started. And I'll, I'll just add from the, I, I sort of get it from the moderator perspective too, because if you're removing something, you don't want to deal with, uh, you know, so many questions about it or the blowback. Yeah. That's, that's how, it, that, that's how it got started. This seems like such a small thing and it takes a while for it to set in. And I'm, we're going to try to parse this different ways. This is essentially though, a feature, a UX feature that moderators are given. And it seems to keep the peace. There's somebody who basically gets the mute button. They get muted. They think they're still talking to the public audience, to that group, when in fact they are talking to themselves. And this seems, I guess, somewhat innocent on the face of it until you told me a couple of these stories and you've been tracking some of these conversations where you're talking about maybe something political, something heated, something uh, that, you know, you don't have to walk very far to find a contested topic in our, our current, you know, spin the wheel of environment, healthcare, global politics. It doesn't really matter. Can you give me an example of what this actually 
looks like and how it begins to tip into manipulation. Yeah. And I'll just preface this by saying, I know that because my experience was I was looking for a pattern in the beginning, like who is doing this? Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Is this, is this left or right? And it's, it's really not divided by that. It's, you know, so I'll give you the examples. Uh, for, for example, uh, some big issues now are abortion, the war in Ukraine, uh, crypto, like Bitcoin, even video games have uh, large forums on Reddit. And with all of these issues, you can find one side or the other uh, advancing their views by removing opposing points of view and not informing the authors of that content that's getting removed. So even though in, say, the atheism subreddit is like uh, 3 million members on Reddit, uh, the moderators may say, may post a comment saying, hey, we don't allow uh, pro-life commentary here. And if you write that, we're going to remove your comment. Every commenter doesn't necessarily see that. Uh, so there will still be hundreds of comments in every thread stating their opinion on that topic. And they're just removed outright without notification. On the other side of that coin, the pro-choice, if you go to the conservative subreddit and advance pro-choice views, uh, they will also remove your content. So I think many of us have this impression of the internet today that it is this new place where we can all communicate with each other. But in fact, many of those bridges are not complete. Even some very uh, accomplished free speech lawyers have said things like, well, the internet is changes everything. We've never had something like this before. And this has kind of been true of every uh, new major technology. I think if we look back at the printing press or newspapers or radio or broadcast TV, there seems to be some turmoil. Uh, I don't know if it's the cause of creating the, the turmoil that creates these technology that leads to the creation of these technologies, or if these technologies, when they're sort of held in the hands of the few in the beginning, are turned against others who who don't quite understand how they work yet. But either way, you know, it, it seems to have happened over and over, and. And so from my perspective, after looking at this for four years now, the internet is, is not quite that thing that uh, bridges all those gaps in the world. We're, we're still, uh, maybe relatively speaking, it, it creates more connections, but we still find ourselves, I think, uh, struggling to connect. And I think this sort of shadow or secret removal uh, feature that moderators on Reddit, and I think several other platforms uh, have too, can, can contribute, contribute to that. And I'll give you um, one example of another platform too. Facebook gives page managers a button, a choice to either hide comment or remove comment. Remove comment means that you will know about the removal. If you go back and look at that comment while you're logged in, it will tell you that it's been removed. 
Uh, but hide comment will only remove it for uh, other people. And, and it will still be shown to you and to your friends. So in that case, it's maybe even a little bit harder for you to detect that your comment has been moderated on Facebook if a moderator clicks hide comment because you couldn't even ask your friends to check if it's still there because they will still see it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's good or bad, better or worse, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things that we think we're participating in the public square. We're not in the public square. We're like, almost like we're already in the metaverse. Everybody is getting a different view of their content. And, and I understand that people already see this. Uh, we know that we're getting shown content based on our preferences, but you know, this is another piece to that puzzle or picture, uh, where when our content gets moderated, it, you know, it's shown to us as if it's not removed. I want to put a finer point on this. This is a UX feature and yeah. it is essentially a quiet censorship. It's a misleading censorship. It is at its extreme an insidious type of censorship. And I see it as an extended form of what Eli Parser talked about over a decade ago with regard to the filter bubble, this idea that we are continually surrounded by the algorithms around us with more content that will satisfy us, that will please us and not sort of go against our worldviews and what our ideology is. This is doing that, but to speech, to that public forum that we think we're having a discussion on. And in some ways, even if you were to have in the topic, let's say I am a fan of Bitcoin, right? And I go into that subreddit, but I do want to have an open dialogue about the environmental impact of a proof of work type of chain and whether or not it makes sense to chain that there's a, a spectrum inside of this extreme spectrum and my voice more likely than not if i get into a heated conversation or even an intelligent conversation back and forth at some point at some point a moderator is going to press mute on my side of the conversation leading me to believe i'm still talking to the public but the public will see me being silent and that moment right there is what shook me because that's not happening in one place. It's happening, it's happening in every place. Can you unpack that for me? No. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> every, every day I look at this, I, my mind is blown. And my opinion changes, I think. Yeah, I, I think two things that came to mind while you were just speaking were, let's, let's be clear. Uh, I'm not against uh, all forms of moderation. There are, I think, some who say nothing should be uh, removed from forums. That's not the position that I take. And then on top of that, this is a lot of content that gets removed. I think one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is that it's, it's almost every account on Reddit has something removed. And it's likely that they were not notified of, of that getting removed. So the, the scope of this is, is so big. And you, you, it occurs on other platforms too. There was a girl who posted a video on TikTok. I think her name was, uh, I'll probably mispronounce it. It's Cheyenne L. Hunt. 
She is on TikTok. She works for a think tank. Uh, and she, she posted this video saying, hey, help me find out how quickly I can get banned from Truth Social. And she started, she, she started writing about comments about abortion uh, or the big lie or, or something. And, and she discovered that her content was removed and she wasn't told about it. So, and then you look at, say, YouTube, uh, where there's all these content takedowns. For example, a woman who had video of uh, something original with NASA. I don't know if it was moon landing or something else, but she had like the original reel or some NASA, some important NASA footage. And she put it on YouTube and she had a copyright strike against her and, and she had a real hard time getting it back up. And so this issue isn't necessarily limited. You can broaden the scope of this even to cases where people are notified of removals. It, it's, so, it's such a common phenomenon uh, that we have to wonder how does this, how, how do platforms become so successful while removing so much content? And so it seems to me that they're sort of incentivized to remove as much as possible without mistakenly leaving up something that could cause them harm. Now that harm could be uh, public perception or it could be uh, a fine coming from the government, which would also you know, probably impact public's perception. So they, they're incentivized to remove a lot. And if they can do that without users knowing or creating a lot of smoke and steam about it, maybe that helps them in the short term. So I'm I sure want to pull, yeah. Yeah, I want to pull to this because you jumped on this next point of why. Why do they have such bad UX? And here, here's the, the spectrum uh, in your mind. You're like, oh, this seems just like some bad UX. They forgot to add a notification button to when you're technically censored. And I, I want to just cut right to the point where I believe that if you are in any social media platform, any form in a public dialogue and you get something censored, I believe you have a right to a censor notification. You have the right, I believe, to know if your speech has been censored. And in this case, that's gone. And I don't think it's an accident. You said it yourself. You think that there's a purposeful design, right? If we see it on Reddit, if we see it on Facebook, if we see it on even Truth Social, there's a reason why they do this. And it seems like you're hinting that it makes more people happy thinking that their stuff is being posted, but in fact, they're being censored, but they don't have to be pissed off and leave the platform, God forbid, and lack that attention. Is that your take? I don't think that people are more happy with that because I think once you see it happening, you're quite unhappy. But they so don't know, if, but they're not getting alerted. Yeah. Like most people probably have been censored. I'm easy to say you've probably been censored and you don't know it. Yeah, I... It's hard to speculate on 
what is the thought process of, of these platforms? They're sort of infamously uh, quiet about this. I've heard on other podcasts, people who have worked on legislation with the government say something like the number of times that I've been in meetings with legislators where they've asked me is what the platforms are saying really true is astounding. And I was very shocked to hear that, that even government is perhaps I'm naive, but that was the first time I'd heard something like that, that behind closed doors, platforms might not be forthcoming with uh, legislators. And, and, and you know, it, it makes me wonder, would legislation that, say, requires uh, or enforces some right to know when your content's been removed, would that work? And what would that look like? Those are two different questions. As for what it would look like, it, it might be hard to write that kind of rule because, you know, we already have these algorithms that can sort of demote content that you're not interested in. And are you naturally interested in a point of view that you disagree with? No, probably not. So that might come at the bottom of your feet and that's not necessarily removed, but it's been demoted. And, and then would it work if you wrote that kind of legislation? Let's say that uh, you could regulate social media companies in the regulatable part of the world that you have influence over. Is that going to work for everyone? We've got global so social media companies. One of the more popular ones right now, uh, TikTok is uh, partially not in the U.S. So I understand that that does fall under current U.S. regulation. I, but I, I just wonder whether regulation is, is the solution that we're after or if it's this public awareness thing that just sort of needs to be built up so that we can establish uh, a culture of more digital awareness around many issues on social media, but adding in this one that uh, you sort of got to track the visibility of, of your own content that gets posted. And I think, by the way, that you may have a lot of young people listening to your podcast, given the space that you're in. Uh, I think they're probably ahead of us on, on this issue. And they, they sort of see this happening on Instagram where their videos don't get a lot of uh, views. Yeah, so so maybe it's not a huge cause for concern. I, I almost has, hesitate to say that because I do also see people saying like things like, well, everybody's claiming that, say, Russia is, you know, influencing our elections. And I want to hear... Someone, I've yet to hear someone tell me which Facebook ad caused you to vote for Trump, for example. And, you know, I haven't heard that yet. And I, I hear comments like that, and I think it's a good point. But there's this missing piece to the puzzle where you don't know, we don't know what we 
don't see. And if what we what is getting removed is, is so effective that we don't even know that it's getting removed, we have this impression that we are getting the sort of divor- diverse viewpoint of the world, even our in our so-called safe spaces. But in in actuality, we're not. Well, that's that's pretty effective uh, marketing or influence. And it may not be an advertisement itself that influences you, but it may be the curation or the lack of the other viewpoint that that can influence you. So I think this this is a pretty unpopular thing to say that we actually may be influenced by our environment. I think naturally we uh, rightfully push back against that because we want to advance our own individuality. So I'm not trying to say that uh, we are puppets on strings. I just want to bring this part of the equation to the forefront so that we can work with all the facts. Yeah, I think you always have to separate the individual from the general populace and have a deep respect for the power that mass attention has on behavior. And what concerns me about this are the second order effects. On the front end, look, I think silence is speech. I think every single time that somebody gets moderated, not because of something hate speech, but because of a, a contrarian point of view in a group you think you are a part of, every time that that happens, silence is speech. That moderator is essentially putting words in that person's mouth by not replying to a thread, a counterpoint, making and potentially already extreme group more extreme. And there's a difference between attention-based algorithms, the thing on TikTok that serves you up that next cool video of somebody knocking over dominoes or playing with cute cats. That's an algorithm and that's like macro attention. This is different. This is violating what I consider the right to know if you've been censored, the right to know if something I've created, not consumed, something I've created has been modified or muted and I don't know it. That, in my mind, at scale, leads to polarization and amplifying that polarization in all of these groups that happen on Facebook, that happen on Reddit, that happen on, frankly, other social media platforms that are purposefully, not accidentally, purposely designing these UX abilities for moderators to silence without notification so that everyone just sort of remains happy and coming back and speaking into the void. Like that's my view of the system right now based on like what you've shared with me. Yeah. And I think you're right. We do have a right to know when our content is uh, visible to other people. My only thing that I struggle with now is should that be enforced? Let's consider the scenario again. Sorry if I just keep coming back to this. Maybe I should let it go. If we successfully regulate companies within our sphere of influence to not do this anymore, they're already quite large. Uh, Reddit has something like 430 million monthly active users, which they last reported a couple of years ago. Uh, Twitter has 220 million monthly active users. Just to clarify, though, you Twitter know, is not doing this. It may happen in the algorithm, obviously, well, it's fed up, but they're not 
deleting your comment. Maybe you can make the argument that hiding, I mean, like the algorithm is, is effectively doing that though. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it, you know, these things are, you don't know and what you don't know, right? Mm. I, I have seen some reports of some shadow removed stuff on Twitter in the past. Maybe they don't do it as much. Uh, potentially they could do it in the future. I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I do agree that we, we all have a, a right to know. Uh, but if we're successful in stopping the companies from doing this altogether, have we cemented their monopolies, right? What, what does that mean for competition in the future, which I think we all want, right? We don't want to be stuck with the systems as they are right now. We know that uh, they are essentially monopolies of our public square. So I, I don't know the answer to that question, honestly. Like, uh, you know, does legislation raise public awareness? Probably. Does it help in the long term? I don't know. Yeah, I would take the counter on that. I don't think it would cement uh, cement it at all. But you know, you could always be wrong. But it does point me toward this desire for the next forms of the public square to be performed on Web three on blockchain, where at least you could go to the contract and see what's going on. Because I, I believe firmly in this sort of the the right to know if you've been censored, because. Yeah. Because it's uh, it scares me at, at scale. It it also is, in my view, purposely being done for profits because you're keeping more people seemingly happy in these groups, and in the meantime, creating extremism by having this sort of like selective silence be used to to prune and focus conversations that, frankly, probably lack the counterpoints, and, and that's that's. Again, scary. It's yeah. I think it's it's more than than just profits. But to 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 your point, some of the platforms will say, "Oh, we don't maximize time on site anymore. That's that's bad. That's evil. That's that's creating an addictive system." You know, we use a different key performance indicator KPI. Uh, so <laughs> their other KPI might be number of users. Right? We're trying to get to a billion users. That's effectively a proxy for time on site, right? Those two are going to rise or fall together. But I would also add that we, I would suggest that we also sort of want this. I know you've got a couple of kids. I've got one kid. If I see my daughter uh, in, a, in a shouting match with another kid over a toy, I'd, I'd prefer that they resolve their differences without screaming over each other. You know, I could step in there and say, you know, stop here. You take the toy for five minutes and then give it to the other kid five minutes later. You know, am, am I helping that situation? Uh, or would it be better if I sort of let them figure out how to how to share on their own. Of course, I want uh, there to be no screaming. I don't want to be in the presence of that. Yeah, we're talking about conflict resolution also in our ability to have dissenting opinions but still agree, which is at an all-time low, certainly in the U.S. discord at present. The part that shocked me again was you call it shadow censorship, is it? 
Yeah, I don't know quite what to call it. Yeah, like, I, I guess I call it <laughs> shadow moderation because we already have the term shadow ban in our lingo. And I've seen that term applied to this concept also in one paper, but I feel it's kind of overloaded because we've, we learned about shadow bans as referring to whole accounts, right? So where you're totally blocked from writing any content, but you think that you're able to. But, you know, what we're talking about here is removing individual pieces of content. So, yeah, I'd, I'd call it shadow removal or shadow moderation. Not quite. Yeah, and I think we're going to start needing to, to label. I think this is it's such a big issue. I'm also curious if some more stories from you. You've talked about, I mean, look, you said like half a million people are coming to your site roughly a month using this. What happens when a user brings back RevEdit to one of their subreddits and says, Hey, look, we're being censored here. This conversation's being pruned and manipulated through shadow moderation. Like, what what happens? Well, I'll give you good news and bad news. The good news is uh, these days, even moderators will reference the site when battling or countering unruly users who who claim censorship in their group. They say, "Hey, you don't believe me." look at RevEdit, you can look at, you know, our record of what's been removed. Now, there are other times where uh, moderators don't want to deal with or don't want transparency, and they will remove uh, references or links to my site outright. In fact, in many groups, RevEdit is, any, any mention of it, uh, particularly links, more often links, not necessarily the name itself, are automatically removed from the group by a script and you will never have any record of it. And I can't even see any record of it because it's removed so quickly that it cannot be archived. There, There is a record of that on users' profile pages, which list all of their history on the site. Uh, but that's kind of hard to get at because you have to know who said it in order to, it's like a catch 22. So, you know, and, and this was far more common when I first launched the site, like it, it was kind of stuck at hundred people visiting it every month for, for the first several months, because, uh, I just couldn't get the word out on Reddit, but you know, it's changing. So, and, and I see the conversation in public changing, like saying that what we're doing to tackle disinformation is doesn't seem to be working. We, we're asking people from all sides of the political spectrum, left, right, and center are, you know, asking for either more to be removed or, or absolutely nothing to be removed. And it, it, it doesn't seem to be helping us communicate any better. So, and I see people or the conversations around this sort of becoming aware that maybe transparency can provide some solutions. So there is current legislation, one called PATA, P-I-T-A from Klobuchar, Coons, and uh, one other representative, which would require platforms to release some data to researchers upon request, like certain kinds of data. I Personally, I think this kind of falls a little bit short of what we need, because when you provide 
data to researchers, it, they're still going to need time to analyze that and publish it and share that work with the public. Uh, and that can take months or years when a lot of the manipulation on platforms can be happening and what's happening every second. There are hundreds of thousands of comments and posts removed from Reddit every day. And that's one platform. So, it, it, and, and we're not looking at any of that uh, on other platforms. Like nobody is reviewing the content that gets removed. We're all looking at what is getting shared, like what is getting popular. And so, for example, CrowdTangle did that uh, for Facebook, which there's been a lot of news about. But, you know, an article on, I'm just sort of speculating here because I haven't looked at Facebook, but just based on what I see on Reddit, an article from CNN, for example, can be shared in multiple groups and have a different, completely different conversation around what it means. And from my point of view, the, the comments can really sort of influence what that com conversation looks like. So if you have the ability to curate that comment section without anybody really realizing it, that you're doing it, that is, the impact is just quite large to say the least. So much of our online public opinion and research for what we do depends on those comments. My mind goes to, I'm picking a restaurant. Do I look at the Yelp and how do I view that? I'm picking out a product on Amazon and I'm looking at the reviews. I'm looking at the five stars and I'm looking at the one star. The thought that that could be just in terms of the way that comments are moderated, that could view different ways to, to the person who created it, thinking that they're warning somebody about a faulty electrical piece and yet, eh, let's moderate that one out. Let's get rid of most of our actual dangerous ones. Like the term you used metaverse, right? We're already in the metaverse in, in many ways. And as that becomes more extreme, I come back to this, this right to know if you have been moderated is, is critical. I think there's the consumption piece, which, you know, the, in, in many ways that is very dangerous, but I was already aware of that. I was already aware of the way algorithms shaped what I saw and that things that were emotionally charged would do better, would be promoted more. And that goes as well for the types of groups that Facebook pushed in front of people. What I just didn't get and get at scale is how pernicious the shadow moderation is because it is, I come back to silence is speech. You're muting people right when they get to the point or when they're trying to have a nuanced opinion about a topic and a moderator disagrees and it's not the moderator. It truly, like, this is not an attack on the moderator. I'm like laser focused on this, like, this is purposeful UX for profit because it makes more people somewhat happy with the thought that like, oh, I didn't get moderated. I'm speaking here. I'm not frustrated because I'm being silenced here. I shouldn't create potentially a new group that has a more nuanced point of view on something. And this is happening not once, but everywhere on every major social platform. Uh, this is just, it's just sitting in plain sight and it's massive. And I don't know what to do with that information. Well, I think we can be activists about it. Maybe I'm more optimistic because I've uh, spent more time being frustrated about this and I'm I'm super excited to be <laughs> I'm at phase one of frustration land <laughs> well or phase two you're you're a level five 
you've really provided me a, a step up here to to be able to be on your show and and to talk about it. Again, I had no idea that you had a podcast before I reached out to you again. I, I had disappeared into Asia for the last 10 years and I'm somewhat disconnected with my old friends in the U.S. And, and so to be able to bring this to you and say like, hey, I really care about this thing and feel like we should do something about it. And your, your response is, yeah, we should. And, and a few conversations later, like, uh, why don't you be on my podcast? And I was like, podcast? Do you have a podcast? <laughs> so I want to underscore your point. Silence is a comment. Because you said that to me a couple of phone calls ago. And it blew my mind. Like, I never thought of it like that. Like, that's completely true. If you choose to not say something in response to somebody, that is a message itself. And, and so whenever something gets removed, like if you're in a back and forth conversation with somebody and somebody cuts that off and you don't know about it and the other person doesn't know that there's been a third party involved in your conversation, that changes the meaning of what you wrote. So I do agree with you that there is a right to know uh, when you've been moderated. I just am not 100% sure that government action is gonna, gonna, gonna save us all. But uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it can move the ball forward. I don't know. All right, I got some mini rapid fire questions for you. Is there anything else, Bo, before we jump into that? Finer points that you want to put on anything? Topics that you're like, oh, I can't believe I didn't say that. You know, I'll, I'll probably feel that way 10 minutes after we close this conversation. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's 7 o'clock in the morning here in Taiwan. So, uh, but yeah, let's go with the rapid fire. Let's, let's change up the... All right. Uh, what is one tech issue you're currently battling with? I think optimizing the site to be... Uh, faster, like I'm. I'm not a web developer by trade, and it's the site is built in React, and if you use React in the wrong way, it, it can be pretty slow with uh, re-renders. So, you know, I'd I'd like to be better at that. It really does impact how many people kind of stay on the site and discover what we've been talking about. What is one tech tool that you've started using? Okay, I haven't started using it, but I really want to try the framework laptop. It's like this laptop that comes in a bag of parts, uh, or you can buy it pre-built. But the concept is that if one piece of it breaks, you can replace that component. It's shifting to be, I think one model of it is now being completely built in Taiwan. As is unfortunately often the case, the company hasn't yet set up shop to be able to sell it in Taiwan yet. So I can't actually get one, but I would like to someday. Talk about a mistake you made earlier in your career that shapes the way you do things now. Uh, I've had a lot of happy accidents. I've moved around a lot, uh, changed jobs. That hasn't led to me moving up the ladder and being successful in the traditional sense. Uh, but I feel it has led to a better feel for what I want out of work. If I were to throw you in a hot tub time machine back to the start of you creating RevEdit, what advice would you give yourself? Think think outside the box. Probably 
try to do more better marketing from the start. Like many other technologists, I assumed that marketing was not necessary uh, and that, you know, people would, that the site would go viral on its own. And that was definitely not the case. Although now that there is a decent sized user base, it is uh, largely sustained by people sharing it. How did you get started in the social impact sector? I started working with you. I met you. I mean, I met you in this running group in New York and you had some tech problem. Your website database queries were slow. And I was like, do you have index tables? And you were like, what are index tables? And then you came back the next day and you were, you were like, oh my gosh, Rob, you're a genius. And I think that's kind of defined our relationship since that time, you know, I've, I've had you fooled all this time because I'm not really not that good of a programmer. It's quite a basic thing. Whatever. NODB saved us, uh, saved our bacon quite a, quite a few times. Thank you for that. Uh, what advice did your parents give you that you either followed or didn't? You know, I think my dad always said you can do anything. And I think I, I was like, okay, that's nice. But it's kind of hit me now, like whoa, this site is pretty big and I guess you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Yeah. And, and let's see, you know, my mom in my youth was always there for me, uh, sort of more traditionally in a more traditional sense where, you know, she, my dad was working long hours and I would spend more time with my mom, especially because I had told her uh, siblings, I was the youngest by several years. Uh, and so I think her advice is probably stay out of trouble. And I don't know that I always did that, but I know where she was coming from. All right. Final one here. How do people find you? How do people help you? Yeah. So on Twitter, I'm, uh, R H A K S W. Uh, I'm the same username on Reddit, obviously. Uh, Rebettit.com is the website. I've got another domain, can't say anything.win, which I'd like to turn into sort of a hub for talking about this issue and knowing what I might be doing next. I've, I've actually got a talk uh, coming up in uh, the middle of October uh, with a group called Hacks Hackers. And I'll put a link to that on can't say anything.win. And yeah, maybe I'll set up like a newsletter or something too. So check those spaces. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're listening and you're in anywhere free speech adjacent, you should reach out to Rob. He's got a lot more thoughts than we had time to share here, including how he could architect or would think about even architecting this for other social platforms and what this looks like. He's got a wealth of data that's readily available, actual examples, conversations that have had the mute button pressed, demonstrating how silence is speech and how misleading it can be. And it, it's it's a wealth of information waiting. There's stories there that are needing to be told. And I hope people do reach out to you, Rob. Thank you for the work you do. And I I pray that it'll have a lasting impact and wake wake some folks up uh, at, at to the size and scale of this of this problem. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me, George. And you know, this has been great.
This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 